Get ready for unique, rare, and little-known treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to The Amazing World of Radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to The Amazing World of Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, our Summer of Summer Replacement programs, brought to you by our Patreon supporters, continues with an episode of Confession. Confession was a summer replacement program for Dragnet uh, during the summer of 1953. The only uh, summer that Dragnet took off radio during its six-year run, this series told the story of real-life confessions, often following a somewhat similar pattern to Dragnet in terms of story selection, changing names, etc. With that basic introduction out of the way, let's go ahead and bring in this week's episode. The original air date, July the 12th of 1953, and this is the Martin Everett case. The confession you are about to hear is an actual recording. Go ahead, please. I make this confession of my own free will because it is true. There has not been any force or violence used upon my person to induce me to make these statements. Without promise of immunity or reward or gratuity, I confess. You understand, of course, that your confession will be made public through the radio program Confession? I do. That your name, for the purpose of this broadcast, will be Martin Everett? Yes, sir. You understand all this, Martin? Yes, sir. I don't think any of them out there... Any at all ever had it happen to them the way it happened to me. But maybe there is someone. If there is, heaven help her. Listening to Confession, the case history of the young man referred to as Martin Everett is a matter of documented record. You will hear the story of his crime experience as told in his own words. Martin Everett, please state your age. Twenty. Uh, Twenty-one next month. Your occupation? Student. That is, I used to study. What were you specializing? In ideas, you might say. Did you attend high school in this city? Yes, sir. Class valedictorian. Big man. Even a scholarship at the university. Was this the only circumstance under which you could go to the university? No, it wasn't. We're not poor. Father's an assistant professor right there on the campus. English lit. With me, it had to be a scholarship. It's shoddy work, Martin. You'll have to rewrite it. Look, Pop, it's late. I'm tired. It's not even nine o'clock. You tell time with your stomach, not with a watch. I'm beat, Pop. I know what you want me to be. You were when you won the scholarship. I want a glass of milk. Why won't you learn? I'm sick of learning. It's not for me. It's never been for me. It's for you. 
What do you want, a genius in the family? I can't live success for you. I want to be free to be an ordinary guy just once, free from these stinking books. I'm not a scholar. I'm not great. You have talent, Martin. Brilliance, even. I got nothing. You'll not speak to me like that. I'm sorry. I feel sick. You fix this essay. Sure, give it here. You'll obey me. You'll go upstairs and redo your work. No. Not tonight. Tonight I'm gonna walk and breathe some clean air and be myself and forget it. Martin. Fixed. Martin? Please, Pop, for one night, will you try to understand? stayed home that night, but I guess the crazy way things started to happen, no matter where I went or what I did, it wouldn't have made any difference. I kept walking over to a crummy part of town. I wondered what I'd have been like if I was raised in a place like that. Kept thinking about it, and pretty soon my headache was gone. That was when I realized that somebody was following me. Which that's the way it seemed. I kept looking over my shoulder. Once I caught a look at him, he was kind of young, about my age and build. I walked faster and tried to shake him off, but I couldn't. No matter what I did, he stuck with me, right behind me all the time. I got scared, so I ducked into a drugstore. Druggist is in the back. I just want a drink, a root beer. I'm sorry, fountain's closed. Okay. You expecting someone? Hmm? Oh, no. No. Well, I guess there's no harm in giving you a root beer. Thanks. Could I have it over there in the booth? Sure. Take the booth. Here you are. Martin Everett? Yeah. What? Sit down. Plenty of room. How's your father? Fine. Who are you? Friend. You were following me out there. Ah, easy, kid, easy. My name's Wally. I'm interested in you. How do you know me? Oh, I made a point out of knowing you. Why me? We were born on the same day, same hour. Yeah, that's a fact. I had to look up the records once and I saw your name. I got curious about you. You know, you could have been me and I could have been you. Could have worked out like that. Maybe it did. Well, go ahead, drink. Thanks. Now, you live real good, don't you? I live around here, the other side of the tracks. Only around here, there aren't even any tracks. That's how tough things are. But I wouldn't have your father on a bet. He's all right. Sure, everything's just fine. How much money you got in your pocket? Look, what do you want from me? Help. You help me, I help you. We get money. Look, I need a partner. And who do I think of? Brother Martin. In a way, we're brothers. You happy? No. I am. You buy the things you want? Nobody buys the things they want. That's me. Nobody. You, you're somebody. A great big ball of hate waiting to be pitched in somebody's teeth. You dope, you're not even free. You want to do a million things and you can't. You're afraid. So? Well, I'm not afraid. That's why I got dough. Me, personally, I got a personal bankroll. That's the best kind. Only now I need help. 
Doing what? When you need help, we'll get together. Like I told you, I'm usually around. Now, you better finish that root beer. I gotta close up. Hmm? Oh, yeah, sure. Look, you don't happen to know that guy, do you? What guy? The one that was here. Well, three or four people have been here since you came in. Yeah, I guess. Well, thanks for the drink. Well, it doesn't cost 35 cents, you know. That's all right. Do you keep it? Well, thanks. That's worth one on the house if you come back. Maybe I'll do that. Night. Good night. She was pretty, the waitress. She smiled when I left. I remember that now, but right then I was thinking about this other guy, this Wally. It doesn't sit too good when you find out somebody's been watching you, especially somebody talks as funny as he did. I mean, all that business about me being him and him being me. And there was something I couldn't figure out. If he was following me outside, how did he get into that drugstore booth before I did? I didn't meet him again until one night I was studying and my father came home. Uh, Martin? In here, Pop. Uh. <sighs> Ugly night out. Too much rain for this season. Uh, studying, Martin? Uh, mixing Leibniz and Spinoza. <laughs> what do you get? A headache. Again? That was a joke. Well... <sighs> I'm glad we don't have to go through another struggle like last week. No. Hey, look, Pop. There's some sweaters on sale at Sullivan's. You got a good price. It's a sale. How much? Fifteen. Dollars? Yeah, certainly dollars. Why, it's an outrageous figure for a simple sweater. Okay. Should have known. Going to study upstairs, Martin? Yeah. Study. Hi. Wally, how did you... What? The window. Climb the trellis. Don't worry about the bedspread. My shoes are clean. Well, it's raining. I uh, couldn't help hearing the little discussion just now. Look, you get out of here. Nobody invited you to this house. Oh, I thought we were friends. Yeah, you thought. Well, now do I call the police? Not unless you don't want that sweater. What's that got to do with it? Look, I can guarantee you 20 maybe $30. How? Just watching and learning. Learning what? You still got that target pistol? Didn't bother me too much. That's a funny thing. It was like I was just picking up somewhere where I'd left off. The thing that really bothered me was how Wally's shoes were so dry when it was raining out. Well, we went down the trellis. Okay. All you have to do is watch and make sure nothing happens that I don't see. Let's get it over with, huh? Leave it to me. Well, can I help you, son? Bottle of bourbon. Well, I'm afraid you're a little too young for that. Am I old enough for this? Look now, look, son. Uh, you don't mean anything to me, get it? Not a thing. A bullet can burn your stomach, I'll feel no pain. Give me the money in that register. Just the bills. 
Thanks. Thanks a lot. I ran when it was over. I must have been awful panicky because I don't even remember Wally. We just blazed out of that store and he shoved the money in my hand, 26 bucks. And you wouldn't think this, but that night I slept real sound, like I was dead or something. For more than a week, I didn't let myself think about what we'd done. And one evening I was lying on the bed and two things kind of got tangled up in my mind. Wally and the waitress at the drugstore. I didn't have many friends. I guess I didn't mention that, but I didn't and I don't. Now there was a kind of a friend thing between me and Wally. And there was that girl. So I went down to the drugstore again. I just went and sat in the same booth where I could watch her. She didn't see me. After a while, Wally was there at the counter talking to her. <laughs> You're different tonight. I'm different every night. Man of a thousand moods. Man? You look like a college boy. It's just one of my many moods. Some nights you got to let me demonstrate. <laughs> oh, great. You want that root beer? Oh, I do. I certainly do. Hey, what's your name? Joan Andrews. I'm Wally. Wally what? Anything you like. That's my charm. How much for the drink? Told you it was on the house. Oh, an elegant gesture. When's your night off, Joan? Next Wednesday. Wednesday for sure. It made me sore the way he acted so smart and smug with her. The way she ate it up. It didn't help any that she seemed to have me all mixed up with him. I mean, the root beer on the house and everything. I guess we did look kind of alike, though. As soon as she went down to the other end of the counter, Wally came and sat in my booth like he knew I was waiting for him. How's the boy? Fine. Short of dough? Oh, so-so. Well, let's go. Look, Wally, I don't want to... What'd you come here for? You came here looking for me, didn't you? I guess so. Okay. Let's get going. You've got something to square away. You know where you are? You kidding? Sure I know. This is the university. This building right here? It's Wheaton Hall. Girls dormitory. Yeah. The rich ones live here. Those wriggly ones with the football players and the string and ten trunks full of clothes. And jewelry. That's a fire escape, Marty. And an open window up there. Wally, this is my territory. I can get into trouble here. Sure, it's your territory. What do you think we're here for? Those dames ever give you a tumble? You owe them something? No. Uh, what are you waiting for? fire escape and into the girl's room. She was asleep. At least I prayed she was. A bit of light coming through the window caught her across the face and shoulders. I don't know what it was she was wearing, but it wasn't pajamas. You could see her skin. It was awfully white. Only her closed eyelids were dark and sort of shiny. A dressing table. Take a look. Nothing. First drawer. box. Open it. Are they real? Their jewelry is always real. Get going. Wally. She's watching us. She's awake. The 
and sat there in bed, stiff and trembling, even more scared than I was. I got out. Fast. Couldn't stand the look on Wally's face, or the girl's. It was Wally's idea, not mine. Not Martin Everett. So I made a dash for the fire escape, and I got down somehow. I listened. She didn't scream or anything. I thought that was strange, but the main thing was getting away from there. Soon I was sneaking across my own lawn in the rose trellis. Martin. <laughs> Pull yourself together. It's me, Wally. You got out okay? She knew you. I don't think so. I think she did. I killed her. How? With this. You knew I was going to. Hide it. You are listening to Confession. Before continuing with the documented record of the young man referred to as Martin Everett, the National Broadcasting Company is honored to present Mr. Richard A. McGee, Director of Corrections, Department of Corrections, State of California. Many crimes are committed by persons who are mentally ill. Schizophrenia, or split personality, is a common form of mental disease which can lead to criminal acts. Stevenson's story, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, is the classic example in literature. Tonight's case is obviously that of a schizophrenic, a person who has created an alter ego on whom to blame the crimes he himself commits. The only way to prevent such a person from becoming criminal is to recognize the clinical symptoms early and seek professional aid before it is too late. Schools, medical centers, and law enforcement agencies in your community would be ready and most anxious to help. Thank you, Mr. McGee. Now to continue with confession and the documented record of the young man referred to as Martin Everett. I looked at the knife in his hand, a kitchen knife. It was ours. I knew the nick on the handle. Wally disappeared into the night, and somehow I got up the trellis to my room, put the knife way back in the closet along with the jewels. And then I turned the light on. There was blood all over the front of my shirt. I didn't know how I got there. It was Wally killed her, not me. I kept saying it over and over, but I wasn't sure. I tried to figure out about the blood on my shirt. The blood from the murder Wally committed. I thought of everything I knew about him, the way he came and went and sort of took control of everything, the way he said we were born on the same day. We were brothers. It frightened me even to think about it. That night I didn't sleep so good. Terrible. Just terrible. What's that, Pop? Now, that girl who was killed last night, she was one of my students. What to say about her? Whoever did it used a knife. Dreadful. The police think it was done by some maniac. But that's crazy. Yeah, to put it mildly. You going to school with me? No. No, thanks. Right then, I began to be afraid all the time. I knew one thing. I had to get away from Wally. I didn't want him coming to the house anymore. So in a couple of days, I went back to the drugstore to finish it off once and for all. He was in a booth. I've let you do what you wanted, haven't I? No. What you wanted. You didn't object so hard. Look, what if they connect me up with these things? 
How can I? You're a college boy. You never did anything bad in your life. Well, what about you? If they catch you, will you talk? You ought to know. Besides, I never get caught. Take it easy. Well, where you been? Hey, tomorrow's Wednesday. Our date's still on? Well, I guess. Any ideas about what to do? I always depend on the boy for ideas. I got a few nifties. Well, if worse comes to worse, I can think of a couple myself. Want to order anything? Uh, a few minutes, maybe. Just send me a telegram. <laughs> How am I doing, Marty? You treat her nice, do you hear me? Oh, it's to you. Hey, you kind of like her, don't you? But you don't know about girls like her. Things are different on the other side of town. That girl in the dormitory. What girl? A girl you... Shut up. Think about it, understand? It didn't happen. You've got nothing to be ashamed of. It just didn't happen. Now, when do we go out again? I'm scared, Wally. Now? With me? No. Just when I'm alone. And we'll fix things so you aren't alone so much. Now, do like I say. Tonight we've got business. And a lot of nights from now on, I'll be waiting for you outside. Yeah. I guess you will. Uh, can I talk to you for a second? You ready to order now, lover? I, I think you're confusing me with that other fella, Wally. Oh, man of a thousand moods again. Joan, just don't go out with him. Please. Why? He's dangerous. Well, he better be a little dangerous or I won't go out with him anymore. I don't be late tomorrow. There was again a mix-up. Between me and Wally. It's when I first got the idea that uh, everything was wrong, as wrong as it could be. That night it was a filling station, I think. Next night, Wally didn't keep his date with Joan. He stood her up, and there was some kind of robbery. I didn't remember real well because I was in a daze most of the time. What was real, Wally or me? I thought maybe there wasn't any Wally. Maybe it was all me or just part of me. Maybe I was crazy and imagined it all. Why would I do a thing like that unless I was a murderer and a thief? Because I wanted to be. Come in. Martin? Yeah, Pop? Mind if I sit on the edge of the bed a minute? I'll move over. I have been thinking about you and me. Perhaps, Martin, you're right. We're trying to make something of you that you're not. Yeah, I guess you're disappointed. Yes, I am. What would you like to do? Oh, I'd like... I'd like to be a sharpshooting student who'd win all kinds of honors for you. I'd like everybody to be proud of me. Well, the last part can still be. Pop, let me have another fling at it. I'll work. I, I didn't want to work before, but now I do. I want to make something of myself. I don't want to be what I am now. I don't think that's so bad, Martin. You're a fine boy. I'd like to see us get along better. Yeah, we will, Pop. Well, then try it again if you want. And if you decide to quit, do something else, that's all right with me. That's a deal. I hit the books again harder for a month. Maybe I didn't even think about Wally. And then I got restless. 
At night, I'd toss around my bed and think about Wally and Joan. You know, the waitress. I remember the way she looked at Wally. I remember that girl in the dormitory and the way her shoulders looked in the moonlight. She wanted to see that Joan again. Hello, Martin. Wally? It's been a long time. But leave me alone. That's easy to say. I'm done with that other business. You want some excitement? Be honest with yourself, Marty. What is it, on or off? You want to get something out of your system or don't you? Please, Wally, nothing bad this time, huh? Nothing real bad. Sure. Nothing bad. I didn't go home for dinner that night. I just walked around with my notebook under my arm. I, I didn't really have any place to go. I thought about a movie, but there was nothing worth seeing. Then I saw one of those bathing suit ads and a signboard, and I thought about Joan. When I got out of the drugstore, she was just leaving for the night. I didn't say anything to her. She didn't see me as usual, so I just followed her. And suddenly, Wally was there again, ahead of me on the street, between me and Joan. He was following her, too. She put her key in the door of a slummy little house. That's when Wally stepped forward. Joan! Well, look who's here. Man of many moods. You sure got your nerve. You mad at me? Oh, no. You can stand me up any time you want. Can I at least come in and explain? Well, I don't want to hear any of your wild stories. Can I, Joan, please? I just got one room here. Anybody else around? No. People who own the house are away. Can I? <laughs> sure. Come on in. Okay. You know, you're a funny guy. Well, what's funny about me? I don't know. You're so moody. But I like you. <laughs> Maybe it's because I know you're crazy. What did you say? You're crazy. You know, you're crazy. I couldn't stand it anymore. She put her hands on my shoulders. I could feel them there. But it was Wally's face she was smiling up into. Wally. I hated him then more than I ever hated anything because I knew just what he was going to do to her and what he'd been doing to me. I wanted to kill him. Just kill him. So I slugged him over and over. It felt wonderful. That's what I wanted to do ever since I'd met him. I choked him. My arms and my hands and my shoulders ached, but I kept it up until I was through. Until I knew he was dead. Only... When he fell, it wasn't Wally at all. It was Joan. I killed her. I couldn't understand it. I, I, I couldn't. I tore a piece of paper out of my notebook, and I began to write, Please, please, somebody. Please, somebody catch me before I kill again. 
That's what it says, Martin. Officer, I fail to see what that message has to do with my son. Perhaps you'd better wait downstairs in your living room, Mr. Everett. But I have a right, please. Very well. Is this your school notebook, Martin? Where'd you find that? The room of the murdered girl. Anything you want to tell me? Mind if I look through your closet? I'll get the evidence for you. Did you do it? That's hard to say. Wally did some of it. He made me do the rest. Who's Wally? Wally? Well, I'm Wally, of course. I guess. You have just heard an actual confession. This case history of the young man referred to as Martin Everett is a matter of documented record. To protect the legal rights of this person, names and places were changed or deleted. Technical advice for confession comes from the office of the Director of Corrections, Department of Correction, Correct of California. In a moment, you'll again hear Martin Everett. The subject was sentenced to life imprisonment under the custody of the State Director of Corrections. Found to be insane, the subject was placed in the California Medical Facility, Terminal Island, where he has been given extensive psychotherapy and electroshock therapy. Now, Martin Everett. The reason I'm making this broadcast <clears throat> is to try to explain how a terrible thing like that can happen to a person. There's plenty I don't understand about it, although a lot of psychiatrists and doctors have tried to explain it to me, but I know this. Wally was still alive that night after I thought I'd killed him. But now he doesn't bother me anymore. Maybe he's really dead. But I guess the doctors will tell me when he is. And we'll see about me. This has been Confession, transcribed statements of actual crimes. These true tragedies are brought to you each week as an NBC Radio Network production in an effort to stem the nation's forward march of crime. Credit for this broadcast goes to our cast. Paul Fries, Lamont Johnson, Warren Stevens, John McIntyre, Charlotte Lawrence. Writer, Richard Allen Simmons. Music, Michael Samogi. Script supervision, Warren Lewis. Direction, Homer Canfield. John Wall speaking. Confession, a Canfield-Lewis creation came to you from California. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Welcome back. I was kind of relieved by the mid-story message, where they acknowledged that what was going on was obvious. And that made me think, okay, well, we're not meant to think that this is some mystery or we can't be sure as to what's going on because there was no mystery and yeah it was as they said very obvious i kind of began to realize it 
when his alter ego showed up in the house. Definitely a very uh, tragic case. But an interesting concept for a program. I hope that you enjoyed it. We've got another anthology program for uh, next week. It only was a summer replacement program over radio, but was a much bigger hit on television. It's the General Electric Theater, so join us back here uh, for that uh, next Wednesday. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.